Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm excited to share that we have Patrick Bousquet-Chavin, who is the president and CEO of America's at eShop World, the world's leading e- cross-border e-commerce company. For some of you may remember, we did have eShop World with Tommy Kelly on last year, so it's going to be really exciting to revisit what's happened over the past 12 months. Patrick himself has over 30 years of operating experience in the global FMCG and retail industries, and most recently served as the CEO of EMAAR Malls, owner at the Dubai Mall. Prior to that, he was the Chief Marketing and Digital Officer for Marks and Spencer PLC and Group President at the Estee Lauder Companies, where he oversaw global P&L and affairs of some of the company's largest brands, including Estee Lauder and Mac as well as the designer fragrance division. He is independent director of Brown Forman Corporation, one of the largest American spirit companies. Patrick, thank you so much for being with us today. The pleasure of being with you, Melissa. Yeah, so we, I mean, we can dive into so much. You have such an interesting um, career background. Um, but for today, I, if we could start with you telling the audience a little bit more about your role today at eShop World and a little bit more about the company. With, uh, with pleasure. So as you said, I was, I recently joined, uh, eShop World as the CEO and president for the Americas region, which is, uh, for, uh, eShop World, the company headquartered actually in, uh, in Ireland, um, our largest uh, region in, in the world. The company operates, uh, globally. We have offices in, uh, in Asia, uh, on the continent in Europe, uh, in the UK, in Ireland, and obviously, uh, here, um, on the East Coast in the US his employee uh, base basically being um, spread across um, across across the world uh, mostly on a on the engineering and commercial on on the commercial front um, ESW um, as as it's now known um, formerly eShop world uh, is ac- actually a, a complete uh, enterprise uh, direct to consumer uh, e-commerce solution provider uh, and we basically help, um, in a nutshell, uh, global iconic brands uh, from the world of uh, fashion, sporting goods, uh, beauty, luxury sector, and, and many others to accelerate their direct-to-consumer growth around the world. And we do it actually in domestic as well as uh, cross-border where we are actually um, a leader uh, globally. And, and we try to do it with um, ease and, and speed, which are two of the, uh, the primary drivers of the philosophy of the company. No, absolutely. And you and you remove a lot of the friction that companies have to undertake if they try to do it on their own. That's that's totally correct. And, um, you know, it's probably one of the most uh, um, important opportunities today for for brands, whether they are uh, small and medium sized enterprise or whether they are large size enterprise to start uh, capturing uh, their global uh, potential and opportunity and therefore uh, to start to be relevant to a global customer base, regardless of their physical presence uh, in any geography. And that was really revealed uh, over the last 12 months during the uh, uh, the COVID period where we saw a dramatic acceleration of uh, global cross-border commerce. Right. I mean, last year, we, we as you mentioned, we saw an explosion of, of cross-border e-commerce. Um, and it's interesting, while consumers were staying at home and not traveling, um, they were exploring digitally 
Um, can you talk a little bit about what you think has, has continued to drive that um, and what you think, you know, that the trajectory looks like? Yes, I think that uh, e-commerce obviously was much more than uh, emerging pre, pre-COVID. I mean, we had had a decade of sustained um, e-commerce uh, growth. A lot of that happening at the local market level. We saw the emergence of uh, a pretty amazing uh, marketplaces, you know, the Chinese marketplaces, the Tmall, Taobao, obviously the Amazon of this, of, of this world. What really happened during the um, pandemic in the, in the last uh, 12 to, to 15 months has been an explosion of uh, that cross-border commerce, as you, as you said. Uh, I mean, in those were obviously unprecedented moments and times. We, we saw kind of the world shutting down, right? Simultaneously, who could have predicted um, yeah. in, uh, in April, May of, of last year, local physical stores, with the exception of uh, essential stores and grocery stores, literally shut down. And, and consumers basically, at exactly the same moment in time, uh, started basically searching for product online. And they discovered that they actually could go way beyond uh, the local offer in their local market being physical or digital offer. And they started basically browsing the, the, the web for, for global brand uh, di- discovery. Uh, I mean, Google has some amazing numbers in terms of uh, the, uh, the, the skyrocketing number of searches in some sectors like, like beauty and, and, and fashion for brands that customers, you know, might not have uh, historically uh, shopped with. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, and then if you talk about beauty and obviously, you know, that sector well, um, having um, your, your, you know, your former role, as group president of the Estee Lauder companies, but um, it's been interesting to see how beauty in in its own has evolved too, right? And skincare and um, that openness to try, you know, different formulations and 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 being more conscious of like what you're putting on your skin. Very much so. Um, you know, when when we extract a trend in general, I mean, they used to be very much regional, right? We all looked as as marketeers and. Uh, and, and brands uh, at the at the emergence of uh, uh, the consumer buying power in, in in China that was still localized China Southeast Asia and brands really aggressively pursuing those markets uh, in beauty and many in many other sectors. What really happened l- last year is the the massive adoption of mobile commerce uh, around the world and again triggered uh, by by this one-time a- a- event. And if we're looking at those trends, they seem to be unabated right now, and they do affect um, all the leading consumer product categories. Beauty was one of those, uh, maybe with the exception of, of lipsticks, because you know who wants to wear lipstick behind a mask most of the time. Yeah. But skincare, um, you know, was one of those universal product categories doing ex- ex- extremely well. I mean, we we saw um, a, um, a substantial increase of cross-border commerce. Uh, in the beauty sector, I think there was about a 35% increase, uh, um, uh, generally speaking, of, uh, of beauty online uh, um, cross-border. I mean, cross-border last year, uh, across all categories, for the first time, was about a half of a trillion dollar spend, uh, which was massive against the prior year. Um, so you have all those fundamental dynamics that uh, seems to be very sticky right now as, as consumer behaviors, really. Uh, are very similar now and in the way they are uh, adopting, again, mobile commerce, uh, different payment uh, methodology online, um, and a, var- a variety of uh, you know, simultaneous similar behaviors. 
Right. So if we think about that stickiness and what drives it, it's it's that ability to discover globally and also convenience. So um, how do you work with your clients, you know, brands that brands that are um, using your technology to ensure that they're able to deliver that to the consumers, that ease of discovery and that convenience around, you know, purchase? I think those are the two the, the, the two key elements, right? Uh, the ease of discovery. So it's really tapping into the trend that I, was, that I was mentioning earlier. The world is discovering that regardless where you are located, you now have access to the global catalog of the world's best brands. Mm-hmm. So literally, you're no longer limited and restricted to the local catalog that a local buyer or local distributor might have selected for you uh, in New Zealand, in Nigeria, in the UAE, or in Russia. Uh, the brand can open up their entire catalog to, to, to the world. And that's why we see an explosion of, uh, of cross-border co- commerce. Um, the number, I think, for this year will probably be at around 70% of consumers will have made, by the end of 2021, a cross-border purchase of some kind. And, you know, as, as U.S. Uh, consumers as well, which is very surprising uh, because we think we have, you know, the world catalog at our fingertips, uh, cross-border sales are, are growing dramatically. For American brands um, approaching overseas market, um, it is literally um, exploding as they are finding new markets and, and, and new revenues, again, based on the fact that uh, consumers are now have a strong appetite for, for, for discovery. Um, so we, we, we think it's one of the primary drivers of our growth at, at ESW. Um, you know, we, we're looking at uh, brands taking ownership, if I may say, of their direct-to-consumer channel. It used to be that you would be, you know, going through a distributor or that you would go on a, on a larger marketplace, multi-branded marketplace. Uh, but then suddenly brands are recognizing the benefit of securing that very direct uh, engagement with their own consumers on their own dot-com site and to expand that dot-com offer to as many countries around the world as possible. And we've taken in the last 12 months brands to up to 200 countries around the world in less than 10 weeks time. Wow. So if you talk about that trend, right, brands leaning more into D2C channels, um, they also have to um, kind of work around the fact that many of them don't have the digital capabilities and the local expertise needed to fully leverage these international opportunities. So uh, can you talk a little bit about how ESW works with brands um, to help them overcome that or at least, you know, be able to deliver that authenticity that's needed as they're um, entering all of those international markets? And that I think, Melissa, is, is, is a key point is, um, is the authenticity feel. I mean, you, you want to be global, but you want to be seen in terms of uh, uh, your engagement with the local customer base, whatever country it is, as a bit of a native brand. So it's your distinctive brand equity and property that you want to bring to those consumers, but you want them to be able to trade and to engage uh, with their local payment methodology. Uh, you, want, you don't want them to have uh, issues in understanding what's in the price, our duties and taxes and uh, included. Uh, so where, those are, generally speaking, the challenges that brands face when they go, when they go global uh, in the digital space. Uh, they feel it's daunting. They feel it's complex. And it is to some degree complex and it can be very costly because if you had to open up, you know, local websites in 25 countries around the world, the people that would be requiring the capex involvement, the capital layout uh, would be, would be quite commensurate. So what we're offering to brands basically is to do it on their behalf, to decomplexify it 
Uh, we do take care of the regulatory environments, which varies country by country. You know, from Russia to the UAE, you don't bring beauty product in the same way. And, you, and we make it very easy for those local consumers to engage with the brand. Uh, they see basically a single price, which is fully inclusive. We give them options in terms of fulfillment. Do you want it to be shipped in 24 hours, which is not pretty much you know, feasible in any country around the world. Do you want to, you know, within, within 72 hours or an entire week? So there are different options in terms of, uh, of price, obviously. And most critically, uh, we uh, work very hard at, look, at optimizing the number of payment options that are being offered. And we see that being the number one um, driver of higher conversion. If you go into a country and, and you don't have the correct uh, organic local uh, payment uh, methods that uh, the local consumers are used to, you will see your, your conversion rate drop down uh, dramatically. And we have basically a, a, um, a relationship with about 65 different uh, payments uh, around the world that we optimize on a country by, by, by country basis. Uh, and then obviously, and I'll leave it at that to add one more complexity, is to make sure that uh, the return is fast and efficient. You know, um, we know as consumers, we are not patient. When you want to return something, you want to get your credit pretty quickly. Um, and yeah. so the return logistic is, is fundamental. And we've established, you know, uh, 40 return centers around the world so that our customers can get credited uh, very quickly when the returns are happening. Absolutely. I mean, that's key for customer service, right, is, is layering those aspects in. And I think, you know, as these cross-border shopping continues, um, I mean, brands are going to need this cross-border strategy and that technology infrastructure. So how does that relationship work um, with you and a brand? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so basically, um, we, um, you know, sit down with a brand and we look at uh, uh, the brand potential in a variety of uh, international markets, uh, from their home markets to obviously uh, external markets, and we help them strategize on their direct to consumer uh, route to markets. And generally speaking, you know, the potential is could be as high as 30% of their local market base until you realize, well, those can be very meaningful number. But then, you know, looking at brand awareness, uh, we have uh, mystery shoppers around the world that we can do on testing for brands. We generally start with a brand audit saying, okay, well, is there, is there a potential in the following 10 countries? Um, and there are, um, you know, uh, data and KPIs that we can look yeah. at to kind of scale that opportunity for the brand. Um, and then, you know, uh, assuming uh, we, we all like the, uh, the potential and the brand says, go, go ahead. What we do is basically through either cartridges or API, uh, integrate, you know, with, with the Salesforce and Magento um, and other type of uh, platforms uh, most of the brands are on. And within eight to 10 weeks, we can go live in, you know, as many as 20 countries in local language, local payments with basically international shipping options for the end consumers. Wow, that's really fast. Um, that's really fast. So you talk a lot about payments and brand awareness. And I, I mean, I think that's great. You're doing the secret shopping and the auditing. Um, how about, you know, it's not just, uh, the payment options, but it's also understanding like native currency pricing, um, you know, the, the, the levels of personalization. I mean, you know, if you dig deeper, like how are you helping them foster loyalty through personalization of the customer journey too, as they're going into these, um, new territories? 
And, and, you know, it's literally applying uh, the same methodology would be applying in, uh, for a local market, uh, customer engagement, uh, recruitment engagement and loyalty building strategy. Uh, we um, have with Initial World a um, customer analytics department uh, that work with uh, the brands that we are working with. And generally speaking, we would devote a uh, team depending on the scale of the brand and the number of markets we would be supporting. Uh, we have a team of um, uh, shop, uh, customer experience managers uh, that work with the brand that really improving one market at a time. Uh, on the branded website, uh, you know, we, we, we never appear in front of the customer. We're always in the background. So it's powered by eShop World. But what the consumers see is the brand.com um, experience on an end-to-end standpoint. We just take over, if you want, the architecture when the customer puts something in their basket. But from the first moment the customer comes onto a brand X website, um, she will be uh, localized. And then we start serving local languages, journeys online, local pricing, which are relevant for her. For, for him or her, and and local pricing, obviously, as well as local payments, um, and um, and our teams are um, managing in a very dynamic way with our brand partners uh, the shoppers' journey, uh, looking at basically the the NPS, looking at conversion rates at different parts of the funnel, and making sure that we continue to optimize um, and create basically um, very loyal uh, customers. Uh, we've recently. Um, built a um, new expertise within eShop World, uh, which is what we call a demand generation uh, um, team that now works in a variety of markets uh, in building a cohesive performance marketing, uh, SEM um, strategy, and uh, we work with the brands to basically, uh, based on a certain return on investment, decide how much marketing investment um, and what is the impact on, on consumer demand in a foreign geography. So again, same, same approach in terms of the KPIs you'd be using in your, in your home market, as we've seen now more and more brands investing, again, in demand generation on their direct-to-consumer e-commerce channels. That's great. So it's a real holistic partnership that you're having with these brands and positioning them for success. Our, our, team, our, our team, Melissa, think about our brand partners as we, we're just an extension of the brand's uh, digital and marketing uh, capabilities. Um, many times the, the international department for some of those small and medium-sized brands um, are very lean in terms of you know, people and, and bandwidth. So we come in as an add-on and we literally behave on brands and uh, uh, manage the strategy for, for the brands on, in these inter- international geographies. Um, and you know, we were aligned uh, in terms of revenues uh, generation uh, because our financial model eventually is basically a revenue share in the market that we uh, enter and uh, operate on behalf of those brands. Right. So you're invested in their success. Their success is also your success for sure. Um, you talk a lot about, you know, the the, uh, the learnings you can get, right? And through those analytics, the impact to MPS score, conversion rates, um, even adding in these layers of uh, demand generation marketing. Any any surprises, any learnings over the past 12 months from that data? I, I think the um, the sense of uh, of security that if you think about buying online, one of the major friction points historically was those were cumbersome experiences, uh, apps well, not well, um, you know, developed. 
and and the bounce rate were substantially uh, very high because those were disappointing experiences. So so we're really um, working at anything that can optimize the conversion, uh, especially at the basket level, is is critical. And we find that there are a couple of things that are fundamental to that. One, you know, um, early messaging. Um, if you are in a luxury space and you, for example, offer a, a buy now, pay later type of payment option, you don't want the customer to discover that by the time he or she are in the basket level. Um, you actually want to signal that way up front um, as the customer is doing uh, his or her discovery um, on the different PRPs and PDP pages. And suddenly we see a tremendous amount of, of conversion as people feel secure and understand the payment services that you are providing. So that, that's a fundamental one. Um, you know, in some countries, uh, if you uh, don't have still a payment or cash on, cash on delivery, like in, in the Middle East or in, in Nigeria, for example, you'll be bypassing 20 or 30% of the potential of, um, of, of your brand. Uh, and then you have all the other fulfillment aspects. Um, you know, those brands for which we are, for example, um, enabling uh, buy online, pick up in store, um, I've seen tremendous amount of growth uh, with us. Um, so we're working, you know, uh, actively at um, opening up and enabling, um, you know, omni-channel type of options for the consumers. Um, brands that have, you know, a very uh, substantial uh, store network, connecting that store network to the digital uh, e-commerce uh, ecosystem is, is paramount. And we've seen some amazing results when we are able to do that. Well, it's obviously a partnership, but are there brands in particular, um, maybe one or two that you could highlight that you think has, you know, done a a, a fantastic job um, over this past twelve months? Um, you know, kind of leveraging the partnership with you and and really delivering that you know surprise and delight to customers. I think we listen. We uh, we have uh, very strong re re relationships. Um, you know, we've been working with, with, with Nike, for example, for a great number of years, uh, with Victoria's Secret as well. Uh, we've been working with the Maxmar team in the, in the luxury fashion space. And, and those brands really have harnessed uh, a very clear strategy on direct to consumers, both in terms of physical uh, stores um, and customer um, engagement, but they've also harnessed the complementarity. Um, of um, uh, international uh, e-commerce potential um, by having consumers literally um, being acquired uh, through that uh, through that channel. Uh, recently, we've uh, in the U.S. we've we've worked uh, very closely with the the Movado Group in in the watch sector, for example, um, at expanding their reach towards Southeast Asia uh, with outstanding success um, as they have great brand equity for some of their you know portfolio brands. So we're trying to really be the partners in this strategic uh, direct-to-consumers um, uh, expansion uh, for a lot of the, the global um, leading brands in the world. Mm -hmm. No, those are great examples. I, they're on my list a lot. You know, I, I think, for example, Nike always kind of best in class with their strategy and and evolving their their D to C right as they moved away from some of their wholesale partnerships. So. Um, so before we wrap up, you know, you talked a lot about what's what's important and what's driving consumer satisfaction and and the importance uh, of payments and flexible fulfillment. Um, what do you where do you see these trends evolving? Like, where's kind of your eye um, and 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 what you're focused on over the next couple of years 
um, and you know, whether it's payments or other elements that you think are going to continue to to um, be important touch points for the consumer? I think um, p payment, uh, ease of fulfillment, uh, speed of fulfillment are fundamental in the next um, in, in the next several years. Uh, I mean, the adoption of digital and deferred payment methods uh, is higher today among consumers under 35 years of age. We see that uh, in the U.S. Um, we see it in every single country in, in the world. Uh, buy now, pay later type of services really are growing in share at the expense of other payment methods. So um, having the right local payment option, as I said, you know, uh, across the 200 markets where we operate, we think that's going to be an imperative. Um, you can't just apply a vanilla solution. And many times we see brands that are saying, well, I'm going internationally. I have, you know, my four credit cards that will do no. They're actually bypassing 50% of the market, and they will be looked upon by those local consumers as kind of, you know, an external brand. So, um, facilitating the ease, the speed of those transactions at the checkout is is fundamental. Uh, you know, we work hard at that, providing that sense of security. Uh, you know, a sense that um, uh, we can be trusted, and making sure that the brand that we bring to those markets are trusted local um, lo local brands that obviously meet all the local regulation is fundamental. Um, you know, we we worked and I think working on speed and improvement of customer experiences will remain fundamental. You know, you don't want on as you go in higher price point uh, to open a very hard credit check for customers. Uh, so the beauty of, uh, you know, kind of the digital first offerings that appeal to those younger shoppers today is that they offer some very soft credit check. They are not yeah. painful. They're not a friction point for the consumers. So you'll see a lot of that actually happening. Um, and then the other probably two areas where we're spending a fair amount of time, um, you know, a voice commerce. Uh, so who, yeah. what is what, what is going to be the next interface? Um, you know, we think that voice commerce by you know 2025 is a is a 40 billion dollars um, uh, in uh, you know um, e-commerce um, uh, interface. And um, you know how clumsy it is to search, right, by entering on your small phone, no matter how big the screen is. Yeah. Uh, so vo vo voice interface is, fun is, is fundamental. And the next one, and all the way down to the customer journey, by the way, activating through voice would be terrific, and it's happening. And then the, the other one is probably uh, social commerce, where we see an explosion in Asia. Um, and uh, those brands that uh, are not thinking about it should really embrace now how to do it. And what does it mean for them? If you are in the beauty sector, and you don't have social commerce enabled uh, app or capabilities, if you're not present, um, you're literally going to be left behind. So it, it's all those uh, trends that you have to capture. No, that's fantastic. Um, there's, there's been, there's a, you know, so many questions I feel like I was asked throughout the year, like, is voice here to stay? Is this, is this a fad? Is it a trend? And so I'm glad you touched upon that um, as something as you see is going to be important in the, in the years ahead. Um, this was a great conversation. It was great to, to, um, kind of recatch up to what ESW, I will call now, has been up to and the um, this continued growth that we're seeing in international expansion um, and, you know, consumers really leaning into that opportunity to discover things globally. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Again, everybody, this is Patrick Bousquet-Chavon. He is the President and CEO Americas at eShop World or ESW. I really appreciate you taking the time with us. 
Thank you for having me, Melissa. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you.